0: My name is Clarence Rick Napier, CEO at 321 BizDev LLC, a California consulting firm, and welcome to the 321 Biz Development Take Control of Your Business podcast, which includes about 400 episodes and can be heard on 18 podcast platforms. 321 BizDev is not a marketing company. 321 BizDev is a sales systems and business development company supporting attorneys, CPAs, corporate dental franchisers, independent dentists, home health providers, home builders, medical groups, plastic surgeons, insurance brokers, real estate brokers, restaurants, tattoo shops, boutique shops, hairstylists, HVAC companies, and plumbers. 321 Biz Dev provides expert sales productivity and sales performance solutions for growth that work. Every solution we discuss on this podcast, 321BizDev can perform. Our website is 321BizDev.com, and I can be reached at 726-999-0999. Today's podcast guest is Sam Altawill, JD, and author. And I just want to give people a little background about Sam. Sam is a seasoned HR professional. With industry experience from manufacturing, consulting, to more recent healthcare, he holds a bachelor's degree in social sciences from the California State University at Sacramento and a jurist doctorate from New College of California Law School. Sam is the author of the book On the Edge of Effectiveness, Refocusing HR Efforts to Strengthen Organizations, which can be found on Amazon.com sam earned the reputation of getting the job done he learned many of the challenges facing hr adapted to unforeseeable difficult events while elevating and developing his team to their full potential his greatest asset is his ability to stay composed under pressure he led two broken federally qualified healthcare centers organizations dedicated to serving the underprivileged and won Best HR Practice in one of the complex federal audits by Health Resources and Services Administration Department, the HRSA. In 2015 and 2016, Sam and his HR team guided the organization to win Best Place to Work by North Bay Business Journal, a media outlet north of San Francisco. I met Sam about 10 years ago as we used to share business stories at a local Sacramento coffee shop. We just recently reconnected at, as you guessed it, a coffee shop, but this time it was at Pete's Coffee. I don't want to steal any of Sam's thunder, but I want to tell listeners that Sam is very focused on delivering real solutions for real employer challenges. So without any further delay, I would like to welcome Sam Alterwell, to the 321 Biz Development Take Control of Your Business Podcast. So
1: hello, Sam. How are you doing? Thank you very much, Rick. I'm doing wonderful. And thank you for having me. It's a pleasure.
0: Always. And again, I want to thank you for uh, at least us. I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure if you can thank me or I can thank you, but our faith allowed us to reconnect again at Pete's Coffee in Roseville. So I want to thank you for at least doing your part by showing up. And I showed up as well
1: absolutely absolutely it's a mutual thing definitely
0: so sam it is a tradition on the 321 biz development podcast for our business owner guests to talk about what jobs occupation um education they have had before discussing their current business activities or work activities please tell us all about sam altwell before you became an attorney and started your career in hr consulting and in-house hr leadership
1: yeah, of course, absolutely. Well, you know, during college time, as we all know, when you go to college, you're trying to figure out what you really want to do, what you want to do with a degree, and more likely, what are, what are you something? What are you good at? That's one of the most important things, what do you excel at? Um, I went into social sciences because uh, a lot of human relations, that's something I've been kind of strong at. During that time, I worked in kind of various jobs, but I kind of fell into working in an HR department. I started out as a temp, actually. And as I'm working there, there was a gentleman named Adam Smith, who was really, really a great, you know, wonderful man, who kind of helped me, kind of saw that the potential of me to do more. Um, as I'm, the more I worked, the more I thought about getting my graduate degree. And as, as things started to change in the California and things in the HR world, I almost took the route of taking, actually getting an MBA. But between him and my professor and others, kind of talked me into going to law school. And I'm glad they did. Um, law school really provided me with a lot more than just understanding the law, but understanding how to be analytical, to be very in areas where I can actually be uh, able to see potential uh, risks for organizations, and, and, and not to mention, learn how to communicate in front of people and be actually persuasive. Um, so it kind of gave me a lot of skills to do that, and uh, it, it's not a, certainly not an easy thing to do, but it's uh, if anybody's interested in doing it, I would highly recommend it there, and education of law is, is, is wonderful.
0: Uh, excellent, excellent. Now, now, Sam, you know, graduating from, from uh, CSU Sacramento, as we call it here in Sacramento, Sac State, <laughs> right? Um, of all the things that you could do, and, and I think you, you'll probably tell us because I think I, I already know what it is, I think. But what was that big draw to move or to uh, take the career path to the legal industry? The legal
1: industry is, is somewhat broad. I mean, most individuals think that if you get your law degree, which is your JD, that you are basically kind of pigeonholed to do one thing and that is practice law. That's not true. There are people have used it in different various things. I'll give you an example. One of my friends graduated from New Georgia and went straight to the FBI. Others went into real estate, others went into, um, you know, for example, tax law or just practice. Primarily the reason why I also chose the law degree, because when you look at actually human resources as a discipline, it's actually combined with three disciplines. Behavior health, behavior science, business, and law. And a third of that is law and comes in very quite regularly, especially if organizations have a union if they have a union, they have a union contract and you're facing arbitration or your potential grievances, all those, your legal training comes in a lot handy. So it really was a, um, a strong addition to my education background for me to do my profession.
0: Nice. Nice. Now, you know, I think I think I told you that I, I I used to work in corporate America myself, and I recall at least looking at HR from as an outsider because I, that wasn't my department. <clears throat> right. What have you seen as the most significant changes in the HR management space compared to maybe ten to fifteen years ago?
1: I think ten fifteen years ago they were focused on a lot of processes. Basically, they wanted to make sure that. All your processes are aligned to do all the things that are necessary and to make to move things forward, whether it be a recruitment, performance management, training, and so on. Some of that still exists today. I think there's no doubt about it. And But the most important thing, we still go back to um, basically leadership training. Um, we still have the, it, you know, whether it's 15 years ago, 20 years ago to now, you still have a challenge with leadership training because what ends up happening is a lot of leaders become... A lot of young people or even people who have been around for a long time, they, become, they fall into leadership without any training. Um, and that's kind of been, without training, well, they, it becomes, you know, practicing trial and error in a sense. You're leading by trial and error. Well, that has had a lot of problems. And so it, a lot of things surfaced out about training, where to start, when to do it, where to go. That's one of them. The other factor I think that's really have come up and probably relates to that is diversity, equity, and inclusion. And uh, part of it is in the hiring process of diversity. In equity, obviously, in the, in the areas of basically pay, performance reviews, I mean, and, and of course, promotions. All these things come in. And so, and not, not, not to mention inclusion, including those who are diverse and included in the conversations. So that part, a lot of engagement. So, so the DEI part, it kind of falls in the same areas of with good leadership if you have good leadership they're applying those strategies and so on so all these things are kind of connected together and today right now the most conversation they talk about is diversity equity and inclusion
0: well yeah that's definitely in the news i mean you can't uh, have a conversation or at least hear a discussion about uh, about management without hearing about diversity uh, equity and inclusion so, yeah, you're right about that. Here's my next question, Sam. Do you think the employer-employee interaction has more challenges today than 15 years ago? And if yes, what are those challenges making sound human resource policies and guidelines more important than ever before?
1: Yeah, The answer is yes. <clears throat> there, is, there always been that engagement between leadership and employees. Uh, More so today than anything, probably especially during after or during COVID and post-COVID that we're facing there has been a lot of divisions simply because communications have been bad. But even prior to COVID that has been the case quite a bit and again it kind of goes back to this thing about actually having proper leaders in the organization and proper leadership training in the organization. They understand now, after all these studies have done, and they understand all these things. The more leadership are engaged with their employees, and the more employees are engaged with the organization, the more likely are employees going to perform better. And if they perform better, at the end of the day, they're going to be more productive and more profitable for the organization. So it all connects together. And uh, while this is still a topic that many have still challenged with. Others, some companies are really taking on that really well, and they're doing it. and It shows on their profitability and, and also retention and so on.
0: Yep. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. That's um, I'm, I, I recall when I was, you know, kind of had my toe in on the HR side because as a hiring manager, you know, I was always asked about what did I need and, you know, and, and specify in the job description. Especially if the role required that person to have some leadership skills too. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I definitely can understand exactly what you're saying. So here's my next question, Sam. Um, employers, they have a, a you know, I, I would say today they have a, um, I, wanna, I don't want to call it a battle, but I would say it's more, they're working harder than maybe they did 10 to 15 years ago. So mm-hmm. what do you see as the employer impacts and we're talking about perhaps legal, financial, and morale of not developing a strong human resources platform.
1: Um, there was a question I asked by one CEO asked me recently. When do you think that we really need HR? Do you think we need HR You know, at this employee? Do we think we need more than two people for this many amount of people? On and on and on. I said, well, look, at, let's look at it this way. Okay, what is exactly... HR does from, a day, from from your daily cycle life, you know, the daily life cycle of HR. You're servicing your customer, doing customer service to your employees. That's number one. You're mitigating risks. That's number two. You're doing any sort of conflict resolution, and that happens quite often. And four, you're doing future planning with the leadership team, ex- specifically executive team, and so on. So when you look at those broad, big categories, there's a lot going on there. And there's more to it than just processes. And so when I presented that to the CEO, he understood exactly what I meant. Because reality is, there's more, HR has so many things that people do. That's not even including safety, that's not including engagement, that's including a whole lot of things. This is just the four broad categories that that we deal with from a day-to-day operations. And so it's necessary for organizations that are at least 50 and more employees to have strong HR if you're you know even if you have 30 employees only you still need somebody to do the processes make sure everything is legal make sure everything is done properly because you know there's termination hiring and so on so and especially in the state of California or actually anywhere in America today so those are very important
0: to have yep yep I, I mean I'm just looking back and I can I can you know when I when I used to go out and meet with other companies and talk about uh, the company that I work for and and talk and we talked about our products and services, I would look around and sometimes I was able to tell if a company had a strong HR department or if they're just you know flying by the seat of their pants and typically if they were flying by the seat of their pants, it made my my work even tougher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. So you're bringing back some memories that I said, "Oh man, I wish they had <laughs> Sam. I wish they had Sam. I wish this company had Sam." And so I totally get it. I totally see what you're saying. So here's a uh, one of my almost last questions. Okay. So your range of human resources consulting and in-house leadership development exp- you know, spans many different industries. Right. Uh, my question is, what, where, where would a CEO or, or Let's say, for instance, a CEO is at this point where they have to say, "Man, I need some help with HR." Right. When does a CEO get to that point when they have to pick up the phone and call you?
1: I hope before they have any sort of employment litigation. I hope. I mean, I think I think if they start to see that there are um, conflict within you know, within employees and, and actually leadership and there's a miscommunications and nothing going right. I think, I hope it will be done sooner than later. You don't want to wait when the conflict becomes too big. Um, there are two things that could happen. If the CEOs or any leaders of the organization allow the employees, that and they, they're not being heard, let me just put that way too. You're not listening to them, you're not being heard, you're not somehow, somehow trying to find a solution to these conflicts. The employee is going to go somewhere else. An employee is going to go, usually they're going to go down to a union. And they're going to go to a union rep, and then they're going to start the process of being unionized. That has always happened. That's how unions begin in a lot of organizations. And then for the CEO, now he's going to have to deal with not only the, what he had to deal with it before, but now he has to deal with the unions and so on and so on. So now it becomes a even a bigger challenge. The most important thing is that you, if you're having those communications and there are conflicts that are not being resolved and things are not moving in the right direction, then you need some HR help, you know, ASAP to basically mitigate that risk and so on. Not to mention you will have turnovers as well. You want to also keep your top people if you're not really addressing their issues and so on. So these are some of the challenges that you have. There are some signs and symptoms you look for into doing that. And it will show in productivity and if people are unhappy, their productivity is not going to be good. And so, you have to kind of stay on top of that, and you have to keep your um, your hands on the pulse of the organization, so to speak.
0: Got it. Got it. And now, I just I just thought of a side question, Sam. Sure. <clears throat> and maybe you can provide some some feedback on this. So, let's say a CEO has uh, these has a has a, has an HR department, and mm-hmm. let's say the CER senses that perhaps. The existing HR management and that's in in that hierarchy, something is not right. Um, Mm -hmm. Have you seen this situation in your in your consulting uh, experience and what have you recommended to CEOs when there's something not working in that HR management chain? Um. Good question. Actually, in fact, that's part of why reason I wrote the book.
1: I have. I'm actually taking over many different dysfunctional departments where I turn them around. Um, part of it is because, from my analysis, I, I saw the departments being they lacked on fundamentals. They're kind of missing that key customer service, you know, criteria. They were They were just not serving the employees and the management properly. Um, they become. But no department, so to speak. That's what they all saying is that every time somebody comes to HR, I say, says, well, can we do something? They say, no. Well, that's not good enough reason. You have to sit there and you're going to say no because it violates something. Then you have to ask, what, what, what exactly do you want? And what are you trying to do? So HR should find you some alternative ways to help move things forward. If you're not getting that and you're not getting HR being a, a true business partner, helping you move things forward even though you have tried many different avenues, then I think it's time to look at your leadership and say, why is that not happening? Other things that could do is this, ask why do we do the things we do? In other words, ask HR people, why do you do this? Why do you do that? They should have an answer for everything. If we, got, if we have a, a process in place, then we should have a valid rational reason as to why we use that process and how it actually serves. And if you, if you don't have that, well then, <laughs> well, that's a competency issue now.
0: Wow, that makes sense. I, I gotta tell you. And again, I've seen that. I've seen that in my past, you know management life um, within the company and outside of you know looking at other companies. So here's here's my last question, Sam. If you can, yeah. please provide some closing comments and let employers or uh, HR professionals who have to make decisions about their HR departments. Please let these individuals know how to best contact you.
1: The simplest way, and I'll be honest with you, the simplest way, if they Google my name, Sam Altweil, and they find me on LinkedIn, I get a lot of messages through LinkedIn through that way. It really has become kind of a a really, you know, LinkedIn is so public and everyone who's a professional is on LinkedIn today. And so they, you know, you're you're bound to uh, find me. Um, that's the easiest way and of course when you Google my name you'll also see quite a bit of the things that I do so right off the bat the first page is is practically you know all everything that I've kind of done in the last few years so to speak Google included me in in an area called knowledge panel where you kind of had to qualify and I guess they qualified me for that so that's another way that's why if you Google my name you'll see everything there
0: excellent Excellent. So, Sam, I want to thank you for being a guest today and uh, on the 321 Biz Development uh, Take Control of Your Business podcast. If this episode provokes some deep thought about improving your overall company performance, please do not hesitate to contact me, Rick Napier, at 726-999-0999. Interested parties can also visit 321bizdev.com slash services to complete a five-minute questionnaire so 321BizDev can learn more about your current sales situation or business situation, or so that we can learn about your current or past experiences with trying to improve sales performance. Please complete the questionnaire, and a 321BizDev specialist will contact you within two business days. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast episode with our guests, Sam Altawill, J.D., And author of the book, On the Edge of Effectiveness, Refocusing HR Efforts to Strengthen Organizations, which again can be found on Amazon.com. Thank you, Sam. And thank you, listeners. And make it a great day.